crypto. Good morning, Warrior Maniacs. How are you today? My name's Johnny Crypto with a K, and I'm wishing you all a good day. So welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the latest and most impactful crypto news-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'll be hosting today as the amazing Abs has a family uh, matter he's tending to, so we are sending him uh, love, an abundance of love and high vibrations to you, and I know Mario might have a few extra hugs and kisses, but we love you, Abs, and we miss you. Uh Today, I'll be joined by several co-hosts from our 3T family. We've got the jovial, joyful Jackie. Her smile will bring the sunshine. However, guys, I don't know if she's available. I believe that Selman has her auctioned out. So we'll have to check in with her and see where we stand with that. We've got Billy, the godfather of day trading and the CEO of Printing Bills with Billy. And last but never, ever, ever least, we got the man that makes it happen behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, all around the scenes. He knows more about nodes than Satoshi himself. We got Mario, the node defender. So good morning, guys. Happy to have you guys all here. Um, so today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing the latest company to partner with Ripple to use the XRP Ledger for their NFT marketplace. Kevin O'Leary says if this one thing happens, just this one little thing, that uh, money, institutional money will just flood into crypto. Uh, let's find out what he's talking about. In recent Bloomberg survey, we are going to find out whether retail investors think we're going to get $10,000 first or $30,000 first on Bitcoin. We also are following what the big boys do. So Grayscale, they are rebalancing their portfolio. We're going to dive into what cryptocurrencies they are adding to their basket. And we'll find out if Stellar is in or out. And speaking of Stellar, uh, Jeb McCaleb, did he just quit as CEO? Hmm, I don't know. Stick around to find out. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on, two, on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So before we dive into it, I just want to kick it around a little bit and see how everybody's doing today. And Mario, since you're at the top, uh, tell us how you're feeling, brother. I'm feeling good, man. Feeling really good. It's, I'm happy to be. It's my first episode this week. I'm happy to be back. Happy to be on the show. Uh, sending abs a lot of love and good, good positive energy. I'm happy to be here with Jackie and Billy. And Johnny Crypto is going to be hosting today, so we know that's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mario. Always great to have you there. Billy! Tell us what's happening, brother. How you feel? I haven't seen you in a while. It's so good to see you. What's up, and, man? Uh, hope that things are going well. No, nah, man, I've been blessed just doing the grandpa thing, doing the, the stock trade thing. I love coming on here with you guys. I hate that, you know, I only get to do it every so often, but, like, my time with you guys is precious. Like, this is my probably one of my most favorite times of my day of my week. So, yeah, I love you guys. I miss the shit out of y'all when I'm not here. That's and awesome. Gonzo killed it yesterday. I just want to say that. Gonzo absolutely smashed it yesterday. So, Yes, Gonzo's amazing. Gonzo's amazing. And in fact, speaking of amazing, everybody on this team is amazing. And uh, and obviously, as we said, we're sending some blessings to the amazing abs. But Gonzo, you killed it yesterday. It's so great to know that anybody can, you know, step up on this team and help each other out. That's what it's all about. And speaking of um, helping each other out, Jackie, we got the joyful Jackie. Jackie, tell us, are you available? What's going on? Has someone auctioned you out for the next three weeks on dates? Because uh, because listeners want to know, we know they're lining up to date you. So tell us what's going on, Jack. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> um, I'll save that for the dating show. We have a dating show coming out um, next. Week. No, I'm just kidding. No, so many exciting things going on <laughs> in the 3T Academy, guys. The hey, that might be something down the future. I have no idea. Um, no, I'm doing well, and I was gonna say that everybody, gosh, everyone on this team is so talented, and it's so it's so fun to see them, you know, branch out and do new things, and they're so good at it. I'm always so sh shocked. So I love it. Um, yeah, congrats to Gonzo yesterday. I'm sure he's gonna host in the future as well, other shows, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. I feel like two days away, and it's been months. Yes, and let's not forget to give credit to some of those guys in the background that we don't talk about enough, Dustin and, and Josh. So thank you guys for your help <laughs> back there. All right, so when we're going to uh, jump into it here. We'll start off, as we always do, sharing our 3T uh, Academy page. Uh, so our Twitter page, you can uh, follow us here. Please come and check it out. We always have 
news and tweets and things happening here. So please feel free to follow us if you want to stick along and see what's happening there with the Academy. Now, hopping into the um, fear and greed index, uh, we see today we're sitting around the 16. We can't kind of been bouncing in this area. Nothing new or different to talk about here. We always say extreme fear means extreme buy, so replace fear with buy. So we're going to just skip right over that and hop into the market, and let's see what's going on today. So right now we're sitting at around a, a, bit, a market cap of $882 billion. Uh, and if we look at the actual coins, we got Bitcoin sitting at 19,811. So it lost that 20,000 that we were hoping to see it hold. We've got Ethereum around 1,000. We've got BNB 225, XRP sitting in at 31 cents. Jesus Christ, that thing's uh, pulling back. We've got Cardano around 43, Solana 33. I'm going to skip over Doge. We've got Polkadot $6. Jeez, what a bargain some of these are. we got AVAX $17. Mario and Abs' favorite, Sheeb, at point oh 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 oh. There's a lot of O's there, point oh 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 one oh three. Uh, we've got Polygon, 57 cents. Jeez. Oh, Uniswap, almost, you know, slightly under $6. Litecoin, Stellar, 10 cents. Kronos, 11 cents. So we've got really, really, Algo, 30 cents. Really good bargains out there, guys. So um, tell us, is there anything, you, Mario, is there anything you're looking out there, anything you got your eyes on? What are you thinking of with the, with the way this market is shaping up? Yeah, we've been consolidating to the downside for, for the last few months. It's been nice to see the market move up a little bit these last couple of weeks, but we're coming up to a full moon tomorrow. And we know what happens in a full moon. We typically get a, a, a cycle bottom. And we've certainly seen Bitcoin over the weekend uh, come back down. It, 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 failed to, it failed to go above that $23,000 price, I think it was, later last week. But... Um, I'm not really buying anything right now. I'm really waiting for some like more severe red in the market. Um, we were having a discussion just before we got on live, and Billy said that you know this is nothing. We could <laughs> we're gonna see worse. So uh, I'm waiting to see. But I do I do do a little bit of dollar cost averaging into into Adam. Um, so as, when I whenever I see Cosmos below eight dollars, I do put a little bit of money in. But as far as everything else, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, I'm really waiting to see Bitcoin below 18,000 and I'm waiting to see um, Ethereum below $1,000, which is not too far from right now. Interesting. Okay. Any guys, guys, either one of you guys have any comments on it? Jack, your billion in terms of what you guys are doing in this place? I'm kind of like Mario. I'm kind of holding off. I am DCA into a couple things with my major purchases. I don't like I, me and Mario was talking. I don't think we've even seen the blood in the streets yet, you know, with August and September coming up and the world events and everything that's happening. The November elections coming up. There's a lot of things, a lot of balls being juggled in the air. So yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the actual true redness and the bloods in the street to come. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Bitcoin. It's all, and you almost hear it every day. Oh, Bitcoin's going to 12. Bitcoin's going to 12. Everybody's saying it. Even that snake rat weasel, Jim Cramer, saying it. Jackie, what are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to hit 10 or 12K since everybody's talking about hitting 10 to 12K? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I definitely do think that we will be in a range. Uh, I'm my, if I'm being honest, my, uh, my, my goal is 10 to 11. I'm that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. 11 is kind of, I like that one, one number. We, we hold a special value to that number. So I really think that that would be a uh, kind of interesting if it did hit 11 K. Um, but we're going to do a competition in the Academy and see who can guess the bottom and they'll get a prize. So I know, Ooh. Uh, one of our one of our warriors thinks thirteen seven. She's pretty good uh, char analyst, and so she she thinks thirteen seven. So we'll see. So the winner of that contest, do they get a date with Jackie? Like, what's going to be the prize if they guess the bottom right? Do we know what? The, oh, we <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I can sacrifice myself. A date with Jackie in <laughs> a bag of XRP. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, actually, Jackie. So you heard it here first, folks. Jackie's looking for eleven thousand one 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 Bitcoin. So let's see if it happens. All right, we're going to move on then to our uh, first article of the day. So here, uh, let's put that up there. All right, can you guys see that? So we've got uh, here Ripple. So Ripple partner secures a partnership to launch another NFT marketplace on the XRP ledger. So we have this company here. Cross Tower says they are partnering with Ripple to bring XRP Ledger Mint and NFTs to the Cross Tower marketplace. Cross Tower was uh, founded in 2019, right over there next to our good buddy in Mario's favorite state, 
Uh, so, yeah, guys, um, in terms of this happening, this kind of news, Jackie, what's your thoughts on Ripple expanding out the XRP ledger for an, another NFT marketplace? Yeah, I love to see news like this. Um, we've talked a lot about this in the past as far as as far as eyes in the NFT. Like in the NFT space, it really, obviously, it started with Ethereum. I know a lot of eyes are on Cardano, NFT, Solana. Not a lot of eyes are on XRPL. So to see partnerships um, come to fruition and kind of see them get these, get this marketing out there um, in that in that way is a good thing. Um, and it's, you know, it's good because we've, we've had our eyes on the XRPL for a while now. Um, we know that they've been building, but it's kind of been a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, um, not a lot of, not really behind the scenes, but not a lot of people have been looking in that direction. Just so to see these big, um, or these other partnerships coming out and things like that. Um, good. It's good. Um, uh, more, more investors will, will start to notice and pick up and just gain interest in the space. Yeah. And you know what? They're not the only ones. If you get a little further down here, you'll see last month, British luxury car maker Lotus and Mario, I know you love cars. So I'm going to come to you here on this one. Announced that they're also doing an NFT partnership with Ripple to bring Lotus NFTs to the XRPL marketplace. So, Mario, what does that mean for somebody like you who loves cars? Yeah, well, that's that's exciting to say the least. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of developments come out from XRPL. We've been seeing a lot of partnerships, you know, the Michael Jordan stuff. Um, I think this is so early for for XRPL and and in all the things that are still yet to come. And the advancements in the NFT space is just going to be one of the things. As soon as we start getting smart contract capability on the XRP ledger, as soon as Flare goes live, that should help as well with, with uh, more utility for, for the XRP uh, token. So I'm really excited to see what, what's going to come out out of the XRP ledger over the next coming months. It's certainly been, uh, it's been really nice to see these advancements. It's been really nice to see these partnerships. I'm really excited to see what they do come out with as far as Lotus. Um, Lotus is very is a very very unique, very uh, specialized uh, car manufacturer, and uh, I'm really excited to see what they come out with as as far as that. Probably an NFT collection, most likely. Um, I'm not not really sure exactly how they're going to promote it, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, and I think what's exciting here is if you look at it, what Ripple's doing is they're expanding outside of their main core business, right, which is cross-border payments, and really helping to drive use cases around these other uh, spaces. So we heard, you know, now we know they've been working on the XLS20 and trying to get the NFT marketplace going. We also heard now that they may be doing some DeFi. So I like the fact that they're really, really branching out there. So, um, okay, we're going to move on to the next article then here. So this is a little fun tweet. I like that. I kind of want to go around the room. We're going to do a little exercise here. So this kind of shows the uh, percentage of accounts with the balances for XRP Ripple. So, for example, if you own 7 million XRP, then you're in the 0.01%. So we always talk about everybody wants to be a 1%er, right? Nobody wants to be a 99%. We want to be 1%ers. So we're going to go around the room and see who is a 1%er of XRP. So to be a one percenter, you need to own above fifty five thousand nine hundred and eighty three XRP. So I'm going to kick it around the room here, and you don't you don't have to tell us how many you have. Just tell us: Are you a one percenter or a two percenter or point two percenter? So Jackie, I'm not sure you know if there's enough on here to even qualify what you are, but please, are you a one percenter? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm. I'm not even on the spectrum, Johnny. I'm. I'm below the ten percent. So. Uh, uh, wow. Okay, so not a big <laughs> you assume the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured with all that, I get it. All that money's in them stepping bags. I guess it didn't. There wasn't enough for the XRP. I'm stepping like a fool, guys. It, <laughs> it, it's working. <laughs> That's awesome, Jackie. That's awesome, Billy. Where are you at on this list? Are we calling you a one percenter or what? A two percenter? I'm actually I'm a two percenter trying to be a one percenter, so I'm in between the the two and the one. Nice, nice. Well, that's awesome. Great to see that you're working your way up there. That's, that's how it gets started. You got to start somewhere, right? Right. Beautiful, Mario. Where do you land on this list? Well, first, I just want to say I think Jackie was a one percenter, but as soon as you said Mario and and Ab's favorite coin was Shiba Inu, she probably sold all her XRP <laughs> to get into Shiba Inu, right? Not financial advice, but uh, honestly, we let we love the number eleven, so I think I'm an eleven percent. 
<laughs> nice. I just don't see the the eleven percent what that what that means, but I think I'm an eleven percent. Okay, well there you <laughs> go. There you, there you have it, folks. There you have it. Going around, and I love it. We got we got our listeners too. We got a lot of listeners out there, anywhere between. Looks like we've got a lot of listeners between one percent and four percent. So that's good, guys. You guys are working your way up the chain, and that's a good thing. All right. So with that said, then we'll hop into our next article, keeping things going. So, yes, got some news here. Stellar has a new CEO, Jeb McCaleb. I call him the untouchable one. He didn't get sued for being part of Ripple, but the same thing that those guys are getting sued for. Poor Brad and Chris. He didn't get sued for Mount Gox debacle that's happening. So this guy just seems to be untouchable. But the latest news here is Jeb apparently has decided to call it quits as CEO. For the company, we can see here that um, Jeb is basically leaving his position as CEO to dedicate himself to software development as chief architect, Billy. Looks like he wants to focus on designing of Stellar's adoption and strategy and everything related to the network. So what's your thoughts here on Jeb stepping down and becoming the whatever the hell a chief architect is here? What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, this could be one or two things. Personally, I think uh, anyone who's ran a business and started it from the ground up and, you know, it's like your baby that's what you love to do, but you had no intentions of making it a business and going where it did. And sometimes running a business can just be overwhelming. You just want to do what you were doing, like whether it's coding, whether it's software work, whether it's just dealing with people. That's why general managers of companies have operation managers so they can go deal with the customer and the operation manager deals with the day to day operations. You know, will we ever truly know why he did? No. But the fact that he's staying on and being chief architect and, you know, the software kind of tells me that maybe he's just done dealing with the day-to-day BS and just wants to get back into the fundamentals. Yeah, makes sense. Sounds like something happening there. I could get it from a technical perspective, maybe sometimes as a technician, you know, you, you kind of leave your position for a while and then you kind of hit that itch to come back or maybe he wants to focus more on there to get, you know, we haven't seen a really good, strong adoption of XLM. Mm-hmm. And we see here that they're bringing on this, this woman, Danielle Dixon. She is from... Um, She's actually from Mozilla. So said Miss Dixon will play a crucial role in consolidating Stella's vision, just as she did during her presence at Mozilla. So it sounds to me like they're not happy with the direction of the company. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. And uh, so, Jackie, what do you think now that we've got a woman in charge of Stella to bring it to the next level? What's your thoughts? Um, I I don't know. I don't really know her um, that well. I, I haven't really heard of her name, so I would have to do a little bit more digging um, to say if I think she would be – um, a good fit for the position. Um, but I was going to actually comment, isn't this a similar thing that happened with Phantom? Didn't there a CTO or CEO step down as well? He stepped away, said he was resigning and actually getting out of the, out of, um, the web three space. And then he just recently came back, right? Wasn't that within the past couple of months? Someone, I, I remember that vaguely. Um, but I don't remember the exact details. I'm not sure yeah, if you there was a, heard that news too. There, there was a scenario where something did happen there with Phantom. I think there was a change at the top or some a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, Mario, any thoughts uh, from your perspective on what might be happening here at Stellar? Yeah, I agree with Billy. I think that they just they're they're looking to move the company into a uh, different direction, or they need to move the company into a different direction. So it makes more sense for Jed to to step down or or move you know, change position essentially and bring in somebody that's more that that may be more qualified to to take the company in that direction. I don't really follow XLM and Stellar too much. Uh, I, I am invested in XLM, but um, I don't really follow the company too much. I mean, we do know that they're partnered with MoneyGram right now, so they continue to do good stuff in the space. They they continue to be what a lot of people call a competitor to XRP, even though some, you know, there's the other opinion that XLM is not really competing with XRP because XRP is more of a central bank type of uh, type of use case. And then XLM is more of a retail end to end user type of use case. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, Mozilla is is a company that's been around. And I don't know Danielle or Danelle, I should say. But uh, Mozilla is a company that's been around for a long time. I use their products, Firefox, Thunderbird. I've used Thunderbird as well, which is a male male client. So they've been around for many years, very long time. So I'm I'm interested to see how they take the the company forward going, you know, the next next few months. Yeah, and you know, Mr. Wright actually makes a great comment here. Most technical people are not good with soft skills. Getting them out of the seat is good. That's actually true. I've I've seen that in practice where 
you put a lot of you know technical people in charge they're good at one element but then trying to create and grow a business you know sometimes uh, you need certain every CEO has a different skill set some are good at starting a company some are good at technical development some are good at fixing a company and restoring it and bring it back to life again um, and so it feels like at this point in time it, it seems like it's a good move that they're bringing in they've recognized hey we've got the wrong person at the top we need to bring somebody else in um, and we'll see where XL I know coach GV always talks about you know XRP and XLM working together coexisting where one would be uh, like XRP would be for cross-border payment for the banks and then XLM would be uses between banks and consumers so we'll see where that we'll see where that goes but yeah very interesting and uh, you know I hope they do turn around because I got a shit ton of XLM too we'll see and, where we're, that goes. and we're seeing that with MoneyGram I mean MoneyGram we know that it's essentially it, it's it's me wanting to send money to Billy or me wanting to send money to my family over in, in Europe and so yeah. the partnership with with XLM certainly fits that certainly fits that purpose and and that idea that XLM is going to be used as this as this peer to peer or or bank to end consumer or you know moneygram which is the, the the sending of money between one person to another so it certainly fits that that category better we they used to be partnered with with Ripple but once the lawsuit was announced that partnership kind of dissolved and they decided to part ways but yeah i'm interested to see and 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 what happens going forward for XLM Right, but you bring up a good point. Is and and when you think about it, right, MoneyGram was partnered with Ripple, and they said, "Oh, yep, lawsuit." They dropped them, and what do they do? They instantly switch to XLM, which shows you that the technologies can do similar things. They can coexist. They can work together. And we'll see. There's a lot of talk about the ISO coins. We got XRP, XLM, XDC, Algo. All these we believe, and there's more. I mentioned them all. We know it's about seven or eight of them, but we know that in some fashion they're all going to kind of coexist and work together. But with that said, we're going to hop into our next article, we talk about what's happening. With, so we always say here at the Academy, do what the elites do, right? Not what they say, but do what they do. So one of the ways to kind of focus on the elites is looking at what some of these large portfolio like Grayscale is doing, where you know you need to be an accredited investor to be able to invest with these guys. But if you look at them, they've put together portfolios in the crypto space. They're one of the largest investors in crypto. And so they've rebalanced their portfolio. We're going to take you through what that balancing looks like in a minute but we know that they've got three different types of portfolios so they've kind of got a a portfolio surrounding uh smart contracts they've got another portfolio around DeFi and another portfolio around just large cap so we're going to go through that right now we see here that cardano solano and polka dot are are in four more of the other altcoins make up the the top contract so we see here that the crypto asset management giant grayscale has updated its smart contract platform so in this new report you'll see here Grayscale says it's uh, it's fund allocated towards Cardano, Solana, Polkadot, and several other Ethereum competitors. And I didn't make this up, but there are the words right there in writing. At the end of the day, <laughs> July 6, 2022, these fund components were rebalanced, and the basket looks like this. So they've got 31% in none other than my favorite Cardano. We've, they've got 25% of the basket in Solana and 13.9% in Polkadot, and I'll jump into the other four smart contracts. But I just want to kick it around the room here and kind of get your guys' thoughts in terms of, um, you know, what you guys think. How do you feel about this balance? With Obviously, it seems a little top-heavy in these three. Um, if, we, if we take a look at the other four, you'll see we got Avalanche at 10.87, Polygon Matic at 8.45, Cosmos at 5.2, and Algorithm at 4.3. So, uh, Mario, give us your thoughts. What are you thinking about this balance? Does this feel right to you, or wh what do you think? Yeah, that's a huge signal right there, especially for for Avalanche. We can see that Avalanche is uh, – was that right? 80, can, did I see something on Avalanche just a moment uh, ago? Yeah, 10.87%. So we have Avalanche with 10%. The number one being Cardano. That's something that we've been talking about on the show a lot, where we can see, we can see that – Developing developing is is breaking records in the Cardano blockchain. The most developers are coming to Cardano. We're hearing a lot about stuff, a lot of good stuff coming out from Cardano. I was actually watching a BitBoy uh, video that he released, I think, late last week or over the weekend, where he he was talking to the, to the creator of that of that AI that created Sophia. You guys know what I'm talking about the robot. So he mm -hmm. created like a a a sister or child to Sophia, which is which is another robot. And BitBoy was interviewing him, and he's basically creating an AI on the Cardano blockchain. So that's really exciting. We're going to 
I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of developments continue to come out for Cardano. Another one that really caught, calls my attention is Adam. I'm happy to see Adam there on the list because it's a project that I love and I'm super, super bullish on. I think that long term, the the whole Internet of blockchain, which is what uh, Cosmos Cosmos pushes. I think that's that's something that's going to be uh, very important going forward because it's it's interoperability. It's the ability for multi, for different blockchains to communicate within each other. Uh, with each other, I should say. So I'm accumulating Atom. I'm accumulating Avalanche. I do own a little bit of Cardano. I haven't really been do- do- doing any dollar cost averaging into Cardano because I bought Cardano back in 2017 for like below five cents. So, but um, Algorand is another one that I have on my list that I will be dollar cost averaging into in the next few months. Interesting. And we know that we've been talking about this show all the time that Cardano is leading in development choice as the number one platform to choose for development. So no surprise there that we see them. Hi, Jackie, what's your thoughts on, you know, we got Solano kind of second and uh, Algo and Cosmo kind of pulling up in the rear here. Any thought, what do you, what does this say to you? Yeah, I, I actually do want to touch on the Solana, um, the Solana percentage. This is, you know, this was a big thing that we had talked about on the show in the past. A lot of our Twitter spaces were surrounding, um, the Solana news when their network had gone down, they've had shutdowns um, pretty often in the past. You know, we've had this as a, a topic of discussion if they were going to stick around, things like that. Um, and this is kind of where I get my main, um, my vocal point where, you know, a lot of people were saying I was bullish on Solana, things like that. Um, I'm mainly just, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on the fact that these big institutions have a lot of money into those projects. So this is where um, Grayscale is actually one of those firms where I, you know, where I had made my point backing um, why I still believe Solana is going to stick around. Um, So that is, that's something um, to take into consideration, you know, with these, with these different chains, um, with these different networks, things like that, you you know, um, we're not at a technologically advanced um, stage yet within the space of cryptocurrency. So right now I, you know, that's, that's the main thing that I'm looking at is, is who's funding and, and where are they getting their funds and how, you know, how they're going to proceed forward, things like that. So, um, and I'm, I'm not saying, uh, that it is, you know, a stable network at this point in time. I don't believe that at all, but the fact that, you know, we have grayscale backing it this much, you know, that kind of, that, that just, piques my interest, right? So that is something that I did want to point out. Um, all those other projects I absolutely do love. Um, I think Polkadot is a big one to to look at as well. Um, people should pay attention to Polkadot. That's kind of one. And Avalanche, um, I'll agree with Mario on that. Those are ones that are kind of slipping under the under the radar. A lot of people are very focused on Polygon. Um, they're very focused on Cardano. Um, and we we as a team, you know, we speak a lot about Algorand and Cosmos, but I'm I'm really bullish on Polkadot as well. I think that one that kind of misses their whole entire ecosystem is huge. Um, that's I mean, we talk a lot about Cosmos. I think our team is mostly um, in Cosmos as far as staking and things like that. Um, so we know a lot about that that ecosystem um, in and of itself. But Polkadot is is just like that in the form that they just have so many projects going on and so many really unique things as well. So I would highly um, suggest people take a look at that as well. Yeah. And what's really interesting about Polkadot is when you look at the list of developer choices, we knew that Cardano was number one on the list. Kusama was number two. You know what number three was? Polkadot. So developers are choosing Cardano, Kusama, and Dot. And it's no surprise that we see two of those three in the grayscale basket. What do we always say, guys? Do what the elites do, not what they say. But what's interesting here, Jackie, to your point of Solana, still being in here, given all the problems they've had, and here we've got grayscale rebouncing their basket, it kind of says to me, signals that if they felt Solana was in trouble, they probably would have you know, reduced their basket or gone down further on it. But what we do see happening here, Billy, is that instead of reducing um, Solana, they actually removed XLM. So it says here, Grayscale notes that the result of this balancing payments-focused altcoin Stellar was removed from the fund. What's your thoughts there that uh, Stellar is being kicked out of this basket? I am kind of shocked at that, just to be honest. Uh, the, the rest of it's not not surprising, but the fact that they removed that, that is kind of, it raises some 
some flags for me. Uh, nothing that I'm going to trip about, but I'm definitely going to get off here and do my homework when we get done because this one kind of blew my mind. Um, the cool thing about this is, is when they put out their portfolios like this, it's giving us a, a quick image of where we need to look at. You don't necessarily have to go focus and buy, but it gives you an area in which you can go see who's doing what and where because it doesn't matter what kind of market you're in, volume drives the market. So wherever the volume's coming in and the money flow's coming in, is where the attention is going to be. You know, good good project, bad project. We're, we're here to make money. Volume equals movement. Movement equals money. So the fact that they're moving into these projects, um, it's a huge sign. I mean, of where where we need to look at Cardano. Actually, you know, I sold out of my Cardano a long time ago and started buying more Quant. And then Johnny, you actually got me back into it two months ago. I started Dollar Cost Average again bullish like crazy with Cardano with all the news coming out. So that one doesn't surprise me at all. But what I really like about this is it takes all, like how many cryptos do we have out there? How many different areas do we have? It really takes all the bullshit and the noise away and allows you to focus on certain areas. So if you really want to get in where the volume is, you know, side piece of whatever your projects are that you're investing in, that you believe in, um, to go dabble in this, because we say it all the time, all you got to do is get one nugget, just just one nugget and have it go off. And these are the people that find the nuggets. These are the people that make the nuggets go. Um, so you you have to follow them. There is credibility in this. You don't have to invest, but you need to be paying attention. The whole happy meal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I think, you know, what this really says to me, and, and you know, if we, we talk about this all the time. As we, we know there's over 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there, and there's only going to be a few that survive after regulation. If you're asking yourself where to start looking, right, to me, this is one of the places I would start looking. Look at Grayscale. Look at what they're doing. We always say that, you, you know, not every racehorse is going to win the race, but you want to bet on a few racehorses. One or two of these is probably going to win at some point, and so that's kind of how I look at it. But we're going to move a little further down in this article. So those are the smart contracts. Their next portfolio is the DeFi contract, and this is very, very interesting. So the firm, which currently has the world's biggest Bitcoin fund, is also reporting shuffling into the decentral finance DeFi holding. So Grayscale says its biggest DeFi holding is now Uniswap. And again, not my words, but they could be my words. At the end of the day, on July 6th, uh, the, the components look like this. So we've got Uniswap at a whopping 56.35%. Then we got Maker at 13%, Ave 12, Curve 7, Amp 5, and Compound 4.7. So um, you can see here that there's a major, major focus on Uniswap. I'm actually happy to hear it because I've been dollar cost averaging in the Uniswap. But I'm curious to what you guys think. I mean, this is a significant and I think important to look at in addition to um what they put in, take a look what they took out. So they took out Bitcoin Cash, Chainlink, Litecoin, Polkadot, and Uniswap. Now, some of those make sense because they're 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 trying to balance them into DeFi versus smart contract, right? So Polkadot, you know, makes sense to come out of there and, you know, maybe that. But I'm just curious, what do you guys think with Uniswap being the dominating one that they get in here? We'll start with you, Mario. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean Uniswap is is the most used DEX, so it makes sense for them to be putting their money into Uniswap because it it has the leader advantage, it has the volume, it has the uh, the potential to really give them that return. We did see, I did see a tweet, I think yesterday from Binance. I think they spotted a an exploit uh, where a hacker was actually taking taking money off of Uniswap V3, uh, which is their version three of 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 their platform. But you know. All to say that all these things are still so early. We could be looking at this list and we could see Ave come out on top. You know, we could see Curve come out on top. We could see Amp come out on top. It's still so early, but as of right now, it, it totally makes sense for them to be putting their the, the majority of, of their money into Uniswap because it has the volume, because it has the popularity, it has the uh, the um, the potential to really give them that those returns. So it, it, I think this is... These are the people that we really need to be looking at as when they make moves because they have they have the biggest funds in the ish, in the in the industry. So keeping a close eye, just like you mentioned, keeping a close eye on where they're where they're allocating their money, how they're allocating their money. We can use that as an example for our portfolios. And um, and yeah, it's 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 uh, 
it's good to see. I mean, it's it's natural to see Uniswap being the the majority holder there. Jackie, as you take a look and see these DeFi um, choices in here, what, what does that say to you about Grayscale? And what do you think uh, in terms of if you were to if the, if you were to set up this fund yourself, would you have it set up this way, or how would you look at it? Yeah, I actually um, I didn't know that they had set up three different funds based upon those categories um, that you had mentioned at the beginning. Uh, you said what were the three you said DeFi, um kind of layer ones is that what you said or top top 20s they have they have uh multi-asset so diversify they have the DeFi fund the mm-hmm. digital lark large cap fund and then they have the smart contract excluding ethereum fund got it got it right. yeah oh smart contract that's what i was okay yeah i'm yeah, um, i think that that's actually a good way um honestly I would follow that model if you're just getting into, I, I do something similar as far as like different portfolios, um, different time lengths, as far as holding those, those assets, things like that. Um, I would definitely, you know, kind of copy that, that type of scenario as far as how you're splitting up your portfolios. Um, this portfolio in particular, you know, I think they have some good picks. Uniswap is a huge one when it comes to DeFi. Um, just as Mario said, it's the most used DEX. Um, I, me, I like, I like kind of placing my bets on a couple of different DEXs. There's a few that I'm eyeing right now, um, that I actually own. Uh, you know, I think Ave is a really, really good project as well. I think that that was a good pick, um, on their part, um, different DAOs, Maker DAO, Curve DAO as well, um, as Mario said. Um, so yeah, I, I would just say, I think that that is, you know, it's it's grayscale they've been doing this um for years they obviously would know how to portion a portfolio out um but i think that that's smart and something to point out to you know everyday listeners how to split up a portfolio things like that take take look take a look at these types of examples um because you do want different niches within the space you don't want to just Um, as far as diversification goes, you know, everyone talks about diversification. That just doesn't mean throwing your money into five, six different tokens, you know, look at the actual niches that your tokens are being, um, chosen from, whether it's metaverse, NFT gaming, things like that, whether it's DeFi, um, smart contract platforms. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is a great example to follow. Um, and then look at what they're actually holding within those niches. Jackie, you touched on something that's so important. Whenever I do a, a one-on-one consultant a consultation at the academy with a member, I always tell them, make sure you diversify your portfolio. I find a lot of times they're either real, really heavy into smart contracts and nothing else, or DeFi and nothing else. And what I try to tell them is, Almost kind of like what these guys are doing here. Set yourself up with a little mini basket. Put a little smart contracts in there. Put a little DeFi in there. Maybe put a little large caps in there like a Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, Maybe put some, I always encourage them to put some gaming. So, you know, at the end of the day, you want to kind of make sure you've got a well-balanced. And if you're wondering where to get started, I think Grayscale, like you said, Jackie, is a great place to get started. But Billy, as we look at the, the, the final fund that they've got here, and they've got a large cap fund in there. They, um, as they as they rebalanced it, you can see here at the end of the day on July 7th, that fund now sits with, uh, so they call it their digital large cap fund. And the components of that basket are Bitcoin. It's got about a 68.8% balance. Ethereum, 25%. So heavily, heavily skewed just to mainly those top two. And then they got a little, little tiny bit of uh, Cardano, Solana, and Avalanche. What's your thought on this large cap basket? I know you're into day trading. Um, but if you were to kind of look at this, does this say anything to you? See, I have a oh, man. This is for risk versus reward. I'm not going to buy Bitcoin just for the money level. Um, and I don't believe in Bitcoin because it doesn't have a utility. Uh, and I've been screaming Bitcoin is going to go down to 10K since May. Just putting it out there. Uh, but yeah, that that's, that says a lot to me. Um, I, I can't believe they're weighted so heavy towards Bitcoin. Uh, the Ethereum I get, I own Cardano, Solano. Those are all good projects. Um, I'm at 25%. Wow, that is really heavy towards Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to judge this one because I don't like Bitcoin. Like, mm. I, I've never liked Bitcoin. I don't like the fund. There's no fundamentals behind it other than I just think it's trash. Ethereum, you know, it's, it's I love Ethereum. I mean, it has a lot of contracts coming with it. A lot of things can be built on it. The fees are garbage, absolutely garbage. 
Um, but I know we're trying to get past that. Wow, I'm like stunned at this. Like the rest of them kind of made sense, but that one, the Bitcoin at 68%, I'm just one of those conspiracy guys and I'll just put it out there. Like I think once we get swapped over and everything, I don't see how Bitcoin stays around. And that's just me. I know I'm gonna get some hate for it, but I actually think Bitcoin is trash. Um, well, Billy, what's great about this show is this an opinion show. You're, you have a right to your opinion just as everybody else does. And at the end of the day, the reality is I feel, still believe the jury is out on Bitcoin. I don't think anybody really knows whether it's going to survive, whether it's going to, you know, turn into what we call digital gold, right? Be a store of value or will it be a utility? I know there are certain small world countries uh, that actually are using Bitcoin as currencies because they can't get any other ones approved right so now. Here's my, here's my question about the Bitcoin thing. And I know this is going to get off track a little bit and I apologize. No, it's all good, brother. If, if Bitcoin is used as a currency, what is backing it? If we have a currency that's not backed by anything, we just back it by Bitcoin, we're going to be in the same position that we're in now with nothing to back the currency. That's what leads me to believe that once we make this transition over to digital currency, we have to be backed by something. If we're not backed by something, we're going to be in the same position we are now with this trash-ass Ooh, did you hear that? Trash-ass? You can't say that 10 times fast. Uh so that's just that that's one of my concerns about Bitcoin is me trying to understand that swap. And I know that's just me being ignorant or uninformed to that. Um, that's why this one kind of blew me away that they're they're that heavy into Bitcoin. But yeah. There yeah. Is, Go ahead, Mario. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, thank you. There is a finite supply, though. So it is different to our current currency, which is infinite because the government could just print more. But I do I do want to say that. I think I think that the reason why they added Bitcoin is because this is a this is a large cap crypto fund. And when you look at the crypto market in general, we see Bitcoin being the leader. I personally think Bitcoin will continue to be the leader for a while. And when we see market markets correct, the market correct, Bitcoin typically corrects less percentage than the remaining of the altcoins. So you will see Bitcoin correct 70 percent while you'll see altcoins correct 80, 90 percent. And that's the reason why usually uh, portfolio allocations tend to have a large amount in Bitcoin, just because it is that one asset. Which number one, it's got it's got the clarity. It, even the U.S. even the U.S. Uh, SEC, which is one of one of the worst to, when it comes to crypto uh, crypto regulation or understanding what a security is and what it isn't, even the U.S. SEC has deemed Bitcoin to not be a security. So I think for that reason alone, that's why I see them doing this. But I, it's my personal opinion that Bitcoin, and I understand your concerns, Billy, but I think Bitcoin will continue to be the dominant in the space. And I think Bitcoin at some point will be more and more because that's the narrative. And, and I see the narrative playing out. They want Bitcoin to be the digital gold. So for that reason, I think it will it will be and will continue to be. And, that, and that's the part that, that like worries me, too, because you have bricks going on and they're you know, back in the ruble and everything by gold, which is going to be powerful. Like that's going to be a very powerful thing when, when it actually takes over the, the reserve currency because the U.S. dollar is going to go away. We all know that. But that's a time for another show. Go ahead, Johnny. My bad. No, I think you guys are spot on. It's a great conversation. The reality is this. Um, our currency only has value because another person is willing to accept the currency, right? That's That's the only reason why it has value. The U.S. dollar or any currency for that matter is because somebody else is willing to barter or exchange their time or effort for some piece of paper that, you know, people believe has value. Uh, what I think, you know, Mario touched on something that I think is important where it's slightly different in Bitcoin is it is a limited supply, whereas the U.S. dollar isn't. So you could, they could turn the printing presses on and print the shit out of it all day long. But what, makes it, but what makes it value? They can continue to print it, but make, what makes it worth the shit? Yeah, like, like you, the gold, the money used to be worth something because you couldn't print it unless it was backed by gold. There had to be right. a physical, tangible thing. But if Bitcoin, we can just go in here, you know. And I know there's only a certain amount, or you know, or whatever. But like, what makes it valuable? Other than saying it's Bitcoin and we have all these people invested in it, what makes it valuable? Well, I know well, it makes it valuable. I know it makes XDC, XLM, Quant, all that. I just, I can't, I still can't wrap my head around Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Mario. I was going to say, well, we could say the same thing for what makes precious metals, precious metals value. The, the, the only reason why gold is that value is because there's somebody that's willing to buy it and somebody's selling it. So how, many, how much gold do you see in your computer processors? How many people do you see wearing gold? 
Gold is very conductive. It's used in a lot of electronics. It's used in wiring. Right. There's a, there's a, that's, that's why gold is it's a multi-use case thing. I agree I with you. I love you guys. It's yeah, okay. chats. Yes, absolutely. And this is, I love this conversation. So uh, it's definitely, a, it's good to hear, you know, multiple, multiple perspectives and, and be able to be able to hear why Billy doesn't think Bitcoin could, could get anywhere. And, and I could say that it can because of whatever. So it, at the end, at the end of the day, like Johnny Crypto says, it's just opinions. So we don't know what's going to happen and we're not giving you financial advice. We're just sharing our opinion. And I still love y'all. Oh, yeah. 1,000%. That's the most important part. We're all friends at the end of the day. By the way, we got 171 viewers. I can't see the likes, but smash that like button. Take your hammer and make sure if you smash it, either smash it once or smash it three times, not twice, because then it will take it away. But bring bring, uh, bring that, bring those, uh, smash those buttons, and uh, let's see if we can bring this viewers, uh, this show to as many viewers as possible. But I'll just wrap up this conversation by saying this. At the end of the day, you've got the dollar which the only reason why it had value was when it was backed by gold. Gold was the mechanism that made it limited so that you could only print so many because it was tied to gold. When they decoupled it, they kind of made it almost worthless. The thing about Bitcoin is right now, as we know from the code, it's written where you can only have 21 million and never ever anymore. And I think that's the only thing, I shouldn't say the only, but probably one of the key things that's giving it the feel of value to a lot of these billionaires and why they're investing in it is because they feel like the governments have gone nuts all over the world. Every single central bank has been printing, turning on printing presses like crazy. And the one thing you can't do with Bitcoin is you can't turn on the printing press. So I, again, I think that may be the only reason why there could be some value there. But again, we're going to find out. Time I would time. say just to add like super, super quickly, I would say that. And then also the security of the network, um, just because of the fact that there are so many, um, like with Bitcoin and Ethereum, just for the fact that they have so many, I guess, validators um, for their network versus any other blockchain, um, it makes the network secure. So it makes it safe. So I think at this point in time, um, that would probably be why most people are holding just just for that reason. Um, most people are holding Bitcoin and Ethereum just just because those networks are more secure than any others right now for this point in time. But I think as we go down down the road, as technology advances, they find ways to because transaction speeds, all those other arguments that people, uh, you know, say uh, for for various blockchains and networks, um, that just seems like the to be the most cliche and common, um, it's slow, it's clunky. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Billy. Why would anyone have the, but for the finite supply and then also the security of the network, just at this stage, I think that's why people um, hold those highest values. I don't know. No, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get down the road and we can, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, as we're sitting on our XRPI. Fast forward to 2025 and we'll see what happens. All right, guys, I'm going to keep the show going and we're going to go to our next article. So we got our man, Kevin O'Leary, who says institutional capital could flood into Bitcoin and Ethereum, Solana, Polygon, all these under one condition. Let's see what that condition is. So Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary says that massive wave of blue chip capital could flood into the crypto asset space if these conditions are met. He says, if we can get some policy, even though it'll require additional compliance costs, more disclosure, more transparency, it will open the floodgates of institutional capital that has been waiting to come into the crypto market. It's so funny because I guess Kevin O'Leary watches this show because we say the same damn exact thing over and over again, that the minute we get regulation, we will see these institutions open the doors. And it's really great to see what he says here. I guess this is the most important part. Um, you'll see here, just in a payment system alone, let's say four or five different stablecoins got licensed, it would be a phenomenal outcome because you would see for the first time ever, you would be able to get one or two or 3% allocation from sovereign funds running 500 to $900 billion. So what he's saying there is these large funds would put a small allocation of money into it. This is the part that got me most excited, uh, Mario. He says, I'm not the only person doing it. There's lots of others, but we talk about these funds all the time. And they all say the same thing over and over to him. And this is the key phrase right here. Give me some policy. Show me I'm not off sides with the SEC. There's that bad word, them rat snake weasels. 
Show me that I'm not offside with the SEC, and I'll give you 1% allocation, sometimes up to 3% allocation. That goes for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solano. Mario, what does this say to you when you hear somebody who's in the know talk about the fact that if we could just get the SEC clarity or off their back, that we could see a flood of money coming into the space? Yeah, well, look, at the end at the end of the day, I, I love that phrase. You, got, you repeated that so many times during the show that now I'm getting you got me. You got me. <laughs> we're we're going to get the regulation when when it needs to happen. And and we will get it at some point. It is going to happen. It's just going to happen when it has to happen at the right time. And uh, you know, it might be through the form of this Ripple SEC case. That's going to be a big catalyst because it's it's going to set a precedent for for XRP, which they're arguing is a security and and ripple doesn't think it is a lot of us don't think it is so um i think that's going to be a, a big a big precedent we are going to get the regulation that that the space needs it is going to come that's what everybody's talking about i think that's going to be the one of the biggest catalysts oh jackie jackie there you are <laughs> so that i think that is the uh that is the thing that's that everyone's looking forward to this year i am really intrigued and really excited to see if we really are going to see some kind of uh some kind of i was gonna say i saw the comment before billy we need to give jackie some love jackie we love you thank you so much for being on the show and being our our peacemaker but uh <laughs> Um, I lost my train of thought. So yeah, I think I think it's gonna it's going to be really exciting. I hope that we get some kind of resolution come out of the case from from Ripple and the SEC. I hope that we get some kind of clarity because I don't want the U.S. to lose out on on uh, on on this opportunity of crypto and blockchain and and we know that it's going to be what it's going to be. So I don't want the U.S. to miss out on that, and I don't want innovation to be pushed out. Yep. I think that's something that we've been we've been preaching about and talking about here is why the U.S. is lagging in innovation there. And just for the record, folks, everybody in the audience, we did not kick Jackie out. We would never kick Jackie out. It's already too much of a sausage fest. So we need <laughs> we want Jackie here. But uh, no, on a serious note, though, well, we love Jackie. We're so happy she's here. That smile just brings joy and sunshine to everybody here. And we know Brio is totally in love with you, Jackie. But getting back to the article here, Jackie, uh, O'Leary says that regulation could possibly bring a $100,000 price tag to Bitcoin. What do you say to that? Is my – hold on really quick. Is my computer laggy? Oh, it could be. You, you are. You, you are a little bit, but we can hear you fine. Okay, you can we hear can me fine. Hear okay, that's fine. Um Sorry, guys. I actually, my, my computer was dying, so I had to go find my charger. Uh, that's why I left. Um, Johnny, can you repeat the question? Yeah. So Kevin O'Leary thinks that regulation can actually, once we get this regulation, he says it can skyrocket Bitcoin to a $100,000 price tag, get to that six figures. What do you say to that? Oh, yeah. I, I think six figures is easy once we get regulation into the space. I would definitely agree with that. As far as timeline, I won't agree with anyone who has their name in a media article or has their quote in a media article. Um, I just don't trust, you know, when when a narrative is being pushed, if that, you know, when the timeline is going to be. But I definitely do. I do believe that we will reach six figures, especially when regulation gets thrown out. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, as we think about that, and, and that's what O'Leary thinks, let's hop into another article where we where we can actually get a feel for what the people actually do think. So we've got a we've got a Bloomberg uh, survey here that says uh, about 60 percent of respondents indicated that Bitcoin is more likely to dip to ten thousand rather than the rally back to thirty thousand. Billy, what do you think? What's your thoughts on that one? I 100% agree with this. I think we're going to have a little spike, but I just don't see where the positive news is coming in, where the influx of money is going to come in, uh, unless it's big time investors like we were just talking about when they went up, you know, 68% to their holding. It's just too much negativity in the market, especially with everything that's coming up, uh, inflation coming up again. The earnings reports are coming up with different companies, the stock market's falling. And then we also have, um, September coming up and then going into November. I just don't see a positive catalyst. If we go to 30, I, with past um, resistance being in that area and us being on the trend coming down for the year, I believe it was on the weekly that we've seen, it, it's going to have a, a significant pullback. So I think 
we'll get close. I don't think we'll touch it, but I definitely think we're going to have a serious fall. I mean, I've been talking about this since May that I think it was going to go to 10. And just on my conspiracy side, I try to be a smart investor. And I know I sit here and I say, I don't understand Bitcoin. I think it's trash, et cetera, et cetera. I am here to make money. And if I can make money, I'll make money. So with this personal setup that's like this, I don't think we're going to hit 30K. I don't think there's enough volume out there right now that's going to come in. I'd be really surprised if there was enough volume right now. Uh, everybody's holding on and they're waiting for the market to do what it's going to do, like me and Mario was talking about earlier. I don't think we've seen the bottom yet. And if that's the case, we don't, we don't, if we know we haven't seen the bottom, there's not enough volume to stabilize our support area and then also bring us up to the 30,000. There's, I just don't see the, the catalyst for that to happen yet. There's just too many negative connotations going on with the market, world politics, and everything else going on in the world. So interesting points there. So, so Mario, what do you say to the fact that the markets always tend to do the opposite of what people think? And right now we're seeing, we're showing real data that says 60% of people think we're going to 10,000. And we typically know that whenever the market thinks it's going one way, what happens? We go the other. So what's your thoughts on that, Mario? Are we getting uh, are we getting fooled here? Are the, are the elites figuring this out and going to go the other way? Or do you think we really see 10K? Well, you took the thoughts right out of my mind because I was thinking that. I Let's not take away anything that Billy just said. I think he's 100% correct. All the, all, this, all the stuff that's happening in the world, we can expect markets in general to, to hit a very big tumble to, uh, in the next few months. So with that said, the crypto market will also, will, will also get a big tumble. And if that happens, if we get a 50% correction from Bitcoin at these price levels, well, we can expect 60 to 80% from the altcoins because that's just what happens. Altcoins get drained a lot more than, than what Bitcoin, Bitcoin does. So I just... You, you make a very good point, and I was thinking that, is that last year, towards the end of the year, as Bitcoin started traveling toward the 69,000, everybody was calling for 100,000. And that was what that was the 60% on those pools. 60% of people believed we were going to make $100,000 Bitcoin, and that didn't happen. Well, now the sentiment has shifted. And if the retail people are the ones that are being pulled in that survey, well, we know the retail people tend to go a lot with their sentiment, and they tend to go a lot with with uh, how how the market is making them feel so it's definitely a double-edged sword um i'm not good at i'm not good at predicting my crystal ball sucks if it, it fell it fell on the floor a couple years ago broke and now doesn't work correctly so <laughs> you know, it's a double-edged sword we could hit ten thousand. we could go to thirty thousand. um all i can really say and it's not financial advice but it's really sound advice is that if you see the market correct, dollar cost average in, if you're seeing $15,000 price Bitcoin, you don't want to buy Bitcoin, well, the alts are going to be at great prices too. If you see the market go up, well, you have to, you have two options, hold or sell. That's just the way that I think people should view the market. Yeah, and, and Mara, just so you know, my crystal ball, I think, is sitting there back in the lake. Mine sucks too, so I don't try to predict the markets either. I just dollar cost average into it. We've got about a minute left, so I want to really quickly get Jackie's thoughts on this. Um, when they surveyed the group, listen to this, nearly a quarter of the surveyed retail investors consider the crypto asset class as garbage. Jackie, what do you say to that? Do you think cryptocurrency is garbage? Did we lose Jackie? Can you hear me? Yeah, Jackie. Did you have okay. a question? Yeah, I heard the question. My computer is being super laggy right now, but as long as you guys can hear me, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think I think they're garbage for saying that. No, I'm just kidding. All love, all love. Um, but I do want to point out, you know, um, that is a very it's an altered, you know, it's kind of a skewed thing when they write it in that way. Nearly a quarter of the surveyed um, retail investors say that it's garbage. Well, that means that three quarters say that it's not. So we're already getting a majority of the, you know, of retail investors that are looking at cryptocurrency. Um, and crypto assets and and kind of considering like hey this might not be you know the the fake the fake money that we that we all thought it was years ago um and it, people are starting to get their interest peaked a lot so that is something to note there um a quarter you know 25 percent is quite high but 75 percent you know of people that are starting to believe that this you know that this is not 
uh, fake thing anymore um, is even higher. So that is, you know, that's pretty comforting to see that other people are kind of joining the race. Yep. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today. We're coming here an end. So as we always like to say, Warriors, rise! Get your shit together, baby. And Abs, we look forward to seeing you back tomorrow. Great job, Johnny. You killed it. Well, don't forget. Let's go. You guys are awesome.